Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. It was a typically weird end to a Premier League season like no other, as Liverpool finished on a high, Leicester dropped out of the top four and Chelsea staggered over the line. I'm Dan Burke, this is the Premier League Season Review Podcast and I'm joined today by Angelina Kelly. Hello. And Joel Sanderson-Murray. Hello. So I feel like I watched more Premier League football than ever before this season, but you know, in preparing this podcast I'm finding it hard to remember much of what happened. Is that the same for you, Joel? (laughs) Yeah, it all plays into one, doesn't it? Yeah. I think, uh, and we were talking about this the other day, sort of the, the staggered kickoff times this year. I think we should yep. be done with them now and get back to the three o'clock ones because it's been too much football, hasn't it? To be honest. Yeah, leave leave them in this season. I say. Yeah. Uh, did you enjoy the season, Angelina, or, or are you glad to see the back of it? Um, a kind of a bit of both. I just feel like it's been, even though it's not been going on for a long time, technically, it just feels like this has been going on for like about a year. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of like, I'm looking forward to the Euros to still be watching football, but to have something a little bit different. Yeah, well, I've, I've sort of written some pieces this week, you know, you know, end of season stuff, and I've been writing like uh, this time last year, but it wasn't this time last year, was it? Because this time last year, we, we'd not even started up the season again after lockdown, I don't think, had we? So yeah, yeah it's very, very strange, uh, disorienting feeling. Uh, but anyway, we're going to talk about every team in the league today, uh, a little season review. Uh, we'll start at the top of the table with champions Manchester City. Uh, that win over Everton on the final day means they finished the season with 86 points. Um, Joel, how does this, this team compare with some of the Premier League's great sides or even some of City? his own great sides are they the real deal or or do you think it helped them that nobody else was able to mount a strong challenge this season I don't think they come close to sort of well I don't think they're as good as the the team that uh, you know surpassed 100 points and and 98 points I mean I mean that's a sort of game of facts and opinions I guess because I guess they didn't win as many games didn't accumulate as many points as those teams and I think if you're talking subjective on this kind of thing which which I think you always have to it's you know that, that those those city teams it were just so great to watch, breathtaking, you know, in attack and and would go and win games four, five, six very easily and and almost every week. And I think this this city team and, and this version of you know of Guardiola City is a, a bit different um, and have been a bit different this year. And, and I think the main, they did still deserve an immense amount of credit because they wouldn't really get a counter really. I think if my United or Liverpool or, or even Chelsea had come a bit closer. I still feel like the City team had another gear to go to, and if they needed to hit 90 plus points, they could. And in the end, they've won the league sort of February, March, hadn't they? And they yeah. just sort of um, put took the foot off the gas a little bit to concentrate on, on getting to Champions League finals. Did they achieve what they need to achieve? Um, but they still deserve credit because they won, you know, 16 league games in a row, wasn't it? 21 yeah. overall between. January and March and and I, and I think Guardiola sort of discovered how to play pandemic football quicker than anyone else did and they sort of played at their own tempo and played every game at their own tempo and but and that was great to see and and, and deserve credit for that but I still one thing I think sort of takes away from the other the other city teams is they're not as clinical as the 198-point teams. Mm-hmm. Even though they still score goals in that 16-game run, I still just don't think they're as ruthless or as as efficient in attack as those teams were. 
Yeah, I agree with you. It's ironic, though, really, that the you know eighty six points is eighty six points. It's not too bad, really. Um, no. It doesn't it doesn't stack up that well with with the previous title wins under Guardiola. But I think part of the reason for that is that towards the end of the season, when the when the title was pretty much done, they were able to rest players and focus on the Champions League, and they dropped they dropped points as a result of that. So the irony is that if they'd had a challenger like Liverpool in, in twenty eighteen nineteen breathing down the neck, they probably would have got more points. And it's it's just a weird it's just a weird way to look at it. Eighty six points wins most Premier League seasons yeah. in the past, but the Thing we're sort of comparing them it is it's down to their own good work because City getting 198 points title win seasons is out of the realms of any possibility in any Premier League season but because they did it we're now sort of matching them against that own yardstick and it's, yeah. a, it's a result of their own good work isn't it? Indeed, yeah. Uh, what if they win the Champions League, Angelina? Would that automatically elevate them up to a level of greatness that they'd never previously reached before? Um, I, I think possibly. I mean, you can't discredit any of the teams because I feel like every City team have elevated them in a different way. So, you know, you've got, you know, City just being a Premier League team to being a Premier League winning team. Then, you know, there's a team that's taken them from kind of being a one-trick pony with the league to winning it more than once, being a club that's dominating English football. Um, so I guess this is just the the next level. Um, and, you know, I, I, I feel like... Because it's across Europe, um, this is kind of being crowned kings of Europe. Mm. Um, I think it definitely would take them to the next level. But I think it's really important, kind of like what Guardiola's been saying and what I'm sure he will be saying if they win. You know, it's not just this team. It's the team's prior. It's, It's kind of like a massive joint effort of so many different teams. Yeah, he keeps mentioning Joe Hart as someone who's like very had a, played a fundamental role. I think he's still really guilty about the way that Joe Hart left. Actually, I was going to say I feel like he sat there like, oh really? Was yeah. it helpful? Yeah, Maybe yeah. Ring me and tell me that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what did you make of Ruben Diaz winning the Football Writers Player of the Year, Joel? Do you think it was deserved, and, and do you think he should also land the uh, the PFA award? I think I think it's deserved. Definitely, I think you know. That there are a few Man City players that should be up for that award and, and up for both awards. We say, if, I still think, you know, personally, Ilkay Gundogan and maybe even yeah. Joe Cancelo probably have better seasons than Diaz. But that's not to discredit Diaz's work in any way because he comes in and I, I think he makes that City defence better. You know, best defensive record in the league, concede 32 goals, um, and no other team gets really near that apart from Chelsea. But um, they, outright, City had the best defence in the league. And, and I think. Why Diaz deserved that award is because, you know, the one thing that's hard to sort of criticise City in the past couple of seasons, how good they've been, but they have always sort of been a bit prone to being hit on the counter-attack. And Mm. last season, we see that when you lose as many games as as they did. Um, But I think Diaz has sort of cut that off and and made them, you know, now they've always been the best attacking team in the league. And now they're up there with Liverpool and Chelsea, you know, when Liverpool have had the players fifth up there being one of the best defensive teams in the league and he's made John Stones I think improved his game and now John Stones probably should should start for England and Euros and I don't think he's saying that last year and I, and I think Diaz has come in and taken his game on another level, another level as well in terms of the, the other award the PFA award I, I, I usually it works out where one player wins one and another player wins the other and I think it's you know, Harry Kane should, should not be getting out of this year with the season that he's had without winning some kind of award where he's the high, you know, scored the most goals and, and provided the most assists. And I think it would be a bit of a disgrace, really, if Kane doesn't come away with something. So, I, but then 
Gundogan and Kante, if they end up winning something as well, then I don't think he can be sort of oh, oh, done by on that. Yeah, we'll come back to our players of the year at the end of the end of the show. Um, for now, carry on talking about City. Uh, I remember talking a lot in, in the early part of the season about this being sort of a transition uh, season for City. I, I didn't truly believe they would win the league until around January, February time when they really started pulling away. Um, Angelina, how much credit do you think is due to, to Guardiola for turning their season around? Is it an exaggeration to say he kind of reinvented City a bit this season? I mean, the strikerless formation, for example, that, that felt pretty revolutionary revolutionary to me. I'd probably agree with you. I think that he's definitely helped reinvent things, even just looking at their mentality and the way that they're playing. Um, and I think there's a lot of credit that needs to go to him. You know, like we, like Joel's just said, you know, he's kind of managed to figure out like pandemic football in a way, you know, mm. they've shown such great character strength. They've had to dig deep. I mean, you go back to what was it like week 10 when they were in 11th place, yeah. six points behind Spurs that were leading, um, <laughs> you know, they've turned it around in a really impressive way. I think he's, he's given the blueprints a refresh. I think the fact that he's admitted that there needed to be some tactical changes. Um, and I think, you know, you could argue even comes to, you know, slowing the game down when in possession um, you know, almost kind of implementing a few like Barcelona tactics, you know, sometimes when we've seen Mares as a little bit of a false nine like Messi, all these different mm. things. I just feel like, um, yeah, he, he saved their season. And I think managing to switch things around the way that he did... I think that's massive. Yeah, it's funny you say about Spurs being top of the league at one point. That the first half of the season feels like a different country, doesn't it? It's so <laughs> hard to believe. Like Everton were considered title contenders at one point as well. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a crazy, crazy season. Uh, what's next for City? Do you think, Joel? Um, you know, if they if they sign a striker like Harry Kane this summer, are they going to be unstoppable next season? Could they be unstoppable even if they don't sign a striker like Harry Kane? I mean, on paper, if they sit, sign Kane, and then we've got, well, none of us got any chance after you. <laughs> um, I, I still think that they will need to sign someone. Um, we'll, we'll sign a forward to just replace Aguero's body in the, bo- in, yeah. in the squad, more than anything else. Um, and, and it's the thing is, teams will, will come back now and, and, and strengthen, like Chelsea, Man United, down Liverpool. They, they, they will they will go again and, and you know, come up with something different next season. And City can't, you know, won't rest on laurels. Guardiola, as soon as, you know, the Champions League final ends, I think the very next day, you know, maybe after the open top bus parade, if you have one, I think Guardiola will be planning on on next season and how he can develop again. And he's very good at doing so. And they will need to. I, I, you know, I like the idea of this strikeless formation going forward, but it's one of them that teams can figure that out and, and teams will have, you know, a year's data on that now and maybe have a different plan to deal with that. The city might have to go and sign a striker to sort of go back to, you know, where they were, you know, playing four three three or four two three one or whatever and, and having a, you know, a forward up front. Um, and it's interesting to see whether they do that. Cause if, if they do get Kane and, and, Maybe you'll be able to tell me on this to be honest, Dan. I, I don't really see Kane as being a Man City striker. I don't think it makes that much sense. But you know, where, where are you standing on, on if they get him in? I'm coming around to the idea, actually. I was a bit against it at first, mainly because, you know, like a lot of City fans, I would really like us to sign Erling Haaland. And Kane's seven years older than him and would, would cost about the same amount of money. You know, he's had in, injury issues as well. Um, but I'm sort of now thinking, well, maybe if they do sign Kane, they'll get him for, uh, you know, four or five seasons of, of, of greatness out of him, you would imagine. And then, 
maybe the next generational talent, for want of a better phrase, uh, will be available then and they, they can get him instead. Because I just think Haaland is not going to be available this summer, the way things are going. No. I think Dortmund qualifying for the Champions League, um, then being under no real pressure to sell the pandemic just means that no one's going to pay 180 million for him, are they, this summer if he's got that release clause next summer as well. So um, City needs someone this summer. If Kane's available, then I could see them possibly going for him, but uh, we'll have to see what develops there, I guess. Uh, anyway, moving on and finishing a respectable second was Manchester United. Uh, Angelina, you're a United fan. How do you rate the season overall? Was it a big surprise that they finished so high or, or perhaps a slight disappointment that they drew a lot of games and couldn't quite amount to a proper title challenge in the end? You know what? Depending on what happens in this Europa League final that I can't even think about because it makes me feel quite ill. <laughs> um, because just typical United to somehow mess that up. Um, <laughs> apart from that, looking at the Premier League season, I'd probably give it about a 7 out of 10. Mm. I don't think fans were ever expecting a title challenge. Um, the realistic fans anyway. So I think to be finishing third, um, with no real, when you're looking at the points, like no major, major competition for that spot. I mean, I think there was a little bit of worry about Leicester, but it's Leicester. They did exactly what I thought they'd do. Um, So there was no real competition for that spot. I feel like it's good enough. Um, At the end of the day, we're not on the same level as City. I'd be stupid to sit here and be like, oh yeah, we well could have caught up to City. They're in a different league at the end of the day, <laughs> like regarding their playing, you know, and I think when you consider it all, you know, the league was wide open before Christmas. Yes, we should have capitalised on that um, and maybe been a little bit hotter on City's heels. Um, but I think to finish second, I, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I'm a firm believer that the league table doesn't lie, does it? And that's yeah. that's pretty much uh, how United have played this season. They, they were the second best team in the league. Um, City were the best team by quite some distance, I think. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, I think second place has to be considered quite impressive. Uh, Bruno Fernandes won the club's Player of the Year award. Um, how big has his impact been on United in the time he's been at the club? Um, obviously, the, when he first came in, he had a huge impact. But this season as well, he's sort of carried that on, hasn't he? And, and does the Fernandes stuff bother you at all? Do, do you find that annoying when people call him that? Listen, jealousy is a disease <laughs> to which I say get well. No, <laughs> I've only messed it. Um, you know what? If I was um, a person that hated Man United or maybe didn't support Man United, I'd probably be moaning about it as well. I get it, but I, there's not, nothing I can do about it. Do you know I mean, I'm not a referee, so it is what it is. Um, I don't think it bothers him. I'm not going to let it bother me, to be honest. Um, I mean... Looking at his impact, it's just been colossal, I think, to finally see a player. And I think I think um, Fergie said this recently as well, to see a player that's kind of able to finish in that final third. We've been lacking it for so long. It's monumental, I think, to mm. actually have. I mean, you can look um, you can look at different players. You can look at, you know, Pogba will score a good goal every now and then. Rashford will score a good goal every now and then. Mason, but to actually have someone consistent that you can rely on, that's stable, it's just like mm. a very strange feeling and it's great. Um, I just think that he brings so much to the table, his attitude, his determination, the fact that he has walked in and this isn't just a job for him to have a few seasons in England and kind of move on. That's not the vibe I'm getting anyway. It seems like he has real admiration for the club. So he gets it, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. He definitely gets it. He gets the assignment. And I think for United fans, it's just really good to see somebody that's 
happy to kind of be wearing the badge and actually wants to make a change and an impact. Yeah, he created uh, 95 chances in the Premier League this season as well, which I think was about 12, 13 more than the next player in the list. So that's okay. that's something that you don't uh, always take into account when you think about players, is it really? Mm. Um, who, who have United's other key players been this season? Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, anyone else you would, you would mention? I think Maguire, say what you want, whether you think he's fitting, you know, whether he's worth the price tag, whether he's not, whether he's good enough, whether he's not good enough. He's been consistent. Mm. He may not be top quality, but he's been consistent. Um, I feel like, for me, I would probably say Luke Shaw. I think the fact that he's managed to um, kind of transform himself the way that he has. You know, you're looking at last season, we've got a teenager in Brandon Williams kind of taking over from him in that Mm. spot. And now he's managed to really cement himself in that place. I think it's great to see. I think another player I'd probably say is um, Wan-Bissaka. Yeah. Because I feel like he's definitely got some improving to do. He's not been at the club that long. You know, he is young. Like I say, there's still some work to do, but I think for his age, et cetera, I think it's great that he's, him and Luke Shaw, they've just got on with it. They've been Mm. real warriors about it. They've dug deep. They've just cracked on and got the job done nine times out of 10. So I'd probably say those two. Yeah, Luke Shaw kept Alex Tellers out of the team pretty much the whole season as well, didn't he? Exactly. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has has shut a few people up this season, I think it's fair to say. Um, But how badly do you think he needs to win this Europa League and get that first trophy in his cabinet now? Is it it at the point of sort of, come on, Ole, we need you to win something now, mate? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) This is massive. I mean, all these semi-finals that we've got to, we've got so close. Um, And I think this would be real confirmation that we're at least moving in the right direction. Um, So I think, yeah, I feel like if he doesn't, this is just going to open up the gates for even more criticism. Um, And I just feel like as a United, I've always kind of been more supportive of Solskjaer just because I feel like unless you've got a manager that's really doing some serious damage to your club, I won't name any names, but... (laughs) There have been managers that have I've felt that way in the past. Again, he's another person. He gets the mentality of the club. He gets, you know, the badge and all that stuff that comes with it. So I've always tried to kind of be supportive of him. Um, like I know him, like I've, you know, I've <laughs> given, been dead supportive. But um, yeah, I just feel like the people that don't support, this is just going to open the gates for criticism. Um, I personally can't see anybody that's available that I think would come to Manchester United, do you know what I mean, Mm. Uh, to replace him. So for me, it's kind of like, this is who we've got, not to be tight, but let's make the best of it. And I think if you can get this Europa League trophy, I think it's really going to boost morale and just put us on the right page going into the summer. I'm surprised that there's still a bit of a divide in the fan base about him, actually. It's weird. There is such a massive divide. I mean, you're always going to get Oli out, Oli out, Oli out. Like, every time something happens that doesn't go to plan, it's like, well, why didn't he win that game? He should have won that game. He's not going to win every game, unfortunately. He ain't, you know, God. So, yeah. yeah. To be fair, I've got mates who are like that about Guardiola as well. So Yeah. <laughs> I think people are hard to please, aren't they? Yeah. Um, what about next season, Angelina? Do you think that comes with greater pressure to challenge for the title? And, and do you think Solskjaer has got what it takes? I think it's massive pressure because you can argue that this season people have been, other teams have been a little bit ropey. Um, You know, I think Chelsea are going to be on top form. I'm expecting Liverpool to be back with vengeance. You know, if Leicester and West Ham um, buy well, they could maybe be top four contenders, you know, like they've been in the mix uh, this season. So I think we definitely need to be up there challenging. Otherwise, we're going to get lost in the top four chaos. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think... 
you know what, why not have the focus on the league? Why not have big expectations? Yeah, do I think that we're actually going to win the league next season? At this moment in time, no, I don't, because I really don't see how we're going to bridge that gap with City, as in take over, do you know what I mean? But I think we can maybe close it slightly. Um, and the thing with Oli is I think that he does have what it takes. I do sometimes worry about some of his decisions, but like I've just said, I don't look around and see another manager that I'd want in charge, especially with recent events with the powers that be at Manchester United as well. I just think keep the ship steady for now. Yep. I think you can definitely see that he's learning, can't you? He's, he's definitely yeah, improved definitely. as a manager in his time at United. So fair play to him. Um, Joel, your boys Liverpool finished third, despite looking for a long time that like they probably wouldn't be playing Champions League football uh, next season. They got it together in the final few games and, and, and finished on a real high. Uh, how big of an achievement is that third place finish and how do you rate the season overall now? Yeah, obviously it's a weird one because, you know, Liverpool start the season, you're trying to defend the title and, you know, and, and you, you know, you, you offer me third at the start of September. Um, I think a lot of things have gone wrong. Yeah. A lot of things did go wrong, but the, the, the thing is that the mood is, is pretty good around the club now and amongst the fan base and, and it wasn't even the start of May. Um, I don't think anyone really expected Liverpool to get in the top four. I mean, it's sort of March time that the rate points off um, with having played more games and the rest of the challenges and it didn't look too good at all. Um, but they've kind of provided title win form in the last 10 games. You know, they've picked up 26 points out of 30 um, and they've put out the park somehow. And I think, you know, overall, I think everyone could be pretty happy with this because it, it didn't look good for some point. I mean, we're, we're talking of Liverpool getting, you know, end up finishing in the Europa League and, and playing Europa League football next season. Uh, you know, three players could have left, and you could have been talking about a big re- rebuild job. And, and and now you're looking at this, and and you know this, they've kind of survived. You know the, the, the things that have happened to them this season. You know they lose Van Dijk, they lose Joe Gomez. You've now had Jordan Henderson for a while. You know had to play Fabinho out of position, and Thiago Alcantara. You know been out for a couple of months and hasn't really been able to settle in until you know recent weeks. And all of the bad things that have happened, Liverpool can kind of wiped them clear now and they've got out of it and they've got Champions League football and, and you can sort of prepare for next season kind of with, with a blank canvas again and, and try and wipe out whatever's happened this year as much as they can. Yeah, it was nice to see Klopp with a smile on his face again at the end, wasn't it, of, after the, the Crystal Palace game? I think, uh, you know, he's had a tough year, hasn't he, with his, losing his mom and all that and uh, the club have had to go through some some traumatic stuff and, you know, all those injury problems. So it was good to see him say that he felt really great at the end of the season. Um, you know, speaking about the injuries, how much of the struggles were down to injuries this season? How much was it was a, a bit of poor squad management and maybe decision-making on, on Klopp's part? Do you think he has to learn some lessons from this? I think, I think he does and I think he, you know, hopefully he will. And one thing that's been sort of good about Liverpool and good about Jürgen Klopp in the past is that when we, Liverpool have failed or, you know, have had, you know, bad things happen in terms of results, they have tend to learn from quite quickly and Klopp has tend to learn quite quickly. I think more, more so more than ever, that has to happen now in the summer. Um, a lot of it has come down to injuries. I mean, you, you lose Van Dijk and with, you know, local fans and, and fans around the Premier League will will say probably the best defender in the league, or you know, possibly even the world. Um, and then not only that, you, you lose Joe Gomez and Joel Matip, and what happens then is the whole team falls out of sync because you know you have midfielders playing centre half and other midfielders coming in, not being able to do the jobs that Jordan Henderson, Fabinho could do in midfield. 
So I think a lot of that, a lot of it comes down to the injuries. But the, the the thing is, you know, Liverpool have had to sort of, you know, in 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 the past couple of seasons, should should have been doing a bit of a rebuild job as, as sort of building the plane as a try and fly it kind of thing, where mm. you know they shouldn't buy in more players between 21 and 20, the ages 21 and 24 as it's gone by. Like, like they did Diego Jota last year, but that shouldn't happen further back. Um, and that's easy to say in hindsight now, yeah. I guess, but they shouldn't buy a you know, central midfielder and central defender in that age bracket last season and the season before. But you can't always prepare for what's happened this year. But I think he has to learn from it because not... It's weird now we talk about defensive injuries, but it actually actually wasn't the defence that was causing the problem this year. Going going forward, Liverpool have been really blunt and and, and predictable. And you know, the games they lose, you know, you talk about the, the the six home games they lose in a row, where a lot of them sort of one nil, two nils to the likes of Burnley and Brighton. The issue there wasn't really defence; it was going forward and trying to break down you know low block defences and. He, he, the club Liverpool has to learn from that going forward because that's going to be the biggest issue going, you know, next season as well. And um, we have to sort of find new ways to attack where we're not just relying on Trent Alexander Arnold and Andrew Robertson uh, providing the creativity from from the wing backs. Liverpool has to learn in terms of do they need to buy another wing back to help them um, and rest them from time to time because they played nearly every minute this year, or do they need to sort of learn a new way to attack, whether it's getting another creative midfielder in or another forward in, the sort of just take them onto the next level kind of thing, and that's that's where Klopp has to learn his lessons from. Yeah, just a bit of breaking news. Looking at the uh, the England squad here, looks like Trent Alexander Arnold's in the provisional squad, thirty three thirty three man squad. Yeah, um, Aaron Ramsdale in there, which is a, an interesting one. That's a very interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> bloody hell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Trent, do you reckon he'll go? Do you reckon he'll go to the Euros now? It's, well, he's given himself a chance now, isn't it? I, I, I'm not too sure because you know you've still got Rhys James, Kieran Trippier, and Carl Walker in there as well. So at least one right back is getting caught mm. at some point. But he's given himself a, a chance to impress. I mean, his his form in the last since the last England squad announcement, since he got sort of binned last time. His form has been incredible. He's been probably our best player in the last couple of months. So, um, yeah, he's, he's done well to get himself back into the running, but I'm still not sure he'll go to the full squad to, full, to the tournament. Yeah, back to Liverpool. Um, you mentioned the, the forward line there. I mean, Mo, Mo Salah quietly had a very, very good season and, and Sadio Mane was a bit up and down, but he finished on a high with two goals against Palace on the final day. Do you expect all of the forward players to still be there next season or are there any question marks over him at this point? I, I do because I'm, I'm not quite sure considering the transfer market, the way it will be, and, and the, the financial situations of some clubs. I'm not quite sure who's got enough money to sort of buy them. Um, you sort of talk about Salah and, and Mane being linked to the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona. They're probably the only clubs that could buy them, and, and they, did, they didn't have the money to do so. And maybe, if, you know, perhaps and Germain throw something in there. I, that's maybe one place they, they could go. But other than that, I, I think the, the options are limited. Um, I, I think... You could argue there was a case for Liverpool selling one of them, if not, you know, two of the, the front three, um, last summer or the year before, and, and sort of capitalising on them at the peak and making the most money off them, which Liverpool have, have done in the past, where they, you know they have flipped players and, and and got the profit in and and then and, and use that money to sort of um, pad out other areas in the squad, and I don't think that will happen now. You know. It's been probably the, the worst year as a front three, um, to be fair. And, and Mo Salah's still nearly won the golden boot. So mm. you know, I think Salah's form has still been incredible. But you know, Sadio Mane and Roberto Firmino, you know, have got 
hopefully should get a rest this summer because, uh, well, Firmino owns actually Copa America, but Sadio Mane should do because African Cup Nations been moved to January. So uh, hopefully that will help. But I think that that front three needs to sort of be developed and, and you throw Diego Jota in there, hopefully, um, and maybe one more in. But that, that, that front three needs to sort of find its way to get back into form. And, and ho- I think, hopefully, and Klopp will be thinking, hopefully, that it's a rest that's needed rather mm. than any major restructuring. Is that African Cup of Nations a worry? Because obviously Salah and Mane will be going to that, won't they? Yeah, that's, I think that's something that needs to come into the thinking when it comes to the transfer window because they're going to have to buy someone to, to cover them, um, in, in, you know, in it's pretty much going to be a whole month in January mm. to February, so um, they got to have that in their thinking, and, and I think yeah, it, it will come into worry. To be honest, yeah, um, Gino Wijnaldum is off, isn't he? He's he's uh, out of contract, leaving the summer. Looks like it's going to Barcelona. Are you, are you sad to see him go? I, I am. Um, I think the thing is, Gino Wijnaldum, he's not someone that not not every Liverpool fans tend to see what what he does, um, and the majority do love him and, and will miss him, but I've seen a bit of criticism of him recently, and maybe he hasn't had his best season like a lot of players, but the thing is with Wijnaldum, he's been one of the key cogs in, in this in, in this successful Liverpool team, and one of the main reasons why Liverpool won the Premier League and, and the European Cup. Um, his ability to recycle and retain possession has been great, and, and win the ball back, and, and, and get us moving, and the, the thing is, he's also been part of real key moments in, in the club where mm. he, he comes on in a half time against that against Barcelona in Champions League semi final and, and scores two goals and he also scored a goal against Roma in Champions League semi final before that um, and even go further back to Klopp's first full season and um, the last day of the, year, the season we had we played Middlesbrough to get into the Champions League and, and qualify for the first time in a couple of years and when Adam scores the first goal that day um, so he's been a huge part of global history and he'll go as a legend but it's probably I guess the right time for him to go in terms of his age and, and the money he reportedly wanted to sign a new deal and, and maybe it's just you know time for a move and he'll get his move to Barcelona or Bayern Munich it seems after the reports and but yeah it's, it's sad to see him go but um Always happy memories of Ginny Wijnaldum. Indeed, yes. Uh, moving down the table, Chelsea just snuck into fourth place despite uh, defeat at Aston Villa on the final day. Angelina, are you as convinced that Thomas Tuchel is the man to turn Chelsea into title challengers next season as you perhaps were a few weeks ago? Um, I mean, obviously, certain results that happen do have you kind of looking sideways like <laughs> Aston Villa on the final day, really? Okay. <laughs> um, but no, I, I do think he's got the right idea. I think he's definitely leading them in the right direction. Um, I think uh, there was a time um, there was kind of a worry that Chelsea would even get top four, you know, going back to the Frank Lampard days, you know, mm. there was concerns. Um, and I think overall he's done a great job in such a short space of time. Um and to kind of get everybody finally singing from the same hymn sheet, um, I think it's really good to see. So I think overall, I'm convinced. And I think the main thing will be what happens transfer-wise, who goes, if they bring anybody in, and how he's going to set everything up going into the next season. Indeed. Well, they spent all that money on attacking talent last summer, yet they finished this season with Jorginho as their top Premier League scorer with seven goals, all of which were penalties. Uh, Joel, did they fix that with new signings or coaching this summer, do you think? I, I think more, I think more coaching, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure who, who they will bring in because I think, for one, they might need to get rid of a few attacking players. I mean, likes of Tammy Abraham and Olivier Giroud probably might move on this summer um, just to reduce the numbers and you know, I don't think they're going to get Erlen Haaland because sort of the, the, the things you were saying earlier on about you know, being able to yeah. 
pay the release clause next summer and money that Dortmund will want this year. Um, I'm going to sort of throw my reputation on the line here. It's, it's been damaged in the past. <laughs> I do think Timo Werner will explode next year and I think we're talking about I think Vino will get you know close to twenty plus goals next year. I I, I, I still think there's a talented player in So there. do I to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I agree. That's it's someone who scored more offside disallowed goals than actual goals <laughs> this year, which is which is crazy. Amazing stat, I love that. Yeah. Um, but the thing is he's he's getting in the right positions and he's he, he keeps getting picked by Tuckle in the big games. And if he keeps getting selected, then that's something he's clearly doing something right in training and clearly doing something right to the rest of the team the only thing that's just not happening for at the moment is sticking the ball in the back of the net but he can do that with Leipzig in the past so I think it will happen and I think that could be the one that means Chelsea don't need to go and sign someone this year because if he works and then you have the likes of him rotating Havertz and Mount and um, Ziyech and Pulisic I mean you don't need to go and buy anyone else they're four of the best players in Europe as it is Yeah. Um, if, if that happens and Werner does take off like I think he can do then uh, I don't think Chelsea can have any problems and then yeah. need to buy someone yeah, I agree with you about Werner. I think his, season, his first season hasn't been brilliant, but it hasn't been bad, really. I mean, it's a new new league, new country, you know, uh, unprecedented times and all this kind of thing, and he's had to de- he's had to deal with that. He's done o- he's done okay. I think he'll he'll take off next summer as well. And it's not like he um, it's not like he costs like 150 million or something. You know, 50 million in this day and age is nothing, is it really? No. So the pressure there's no need for him to be under that much pressure, really. Um, how do you see the, the the Champions League final going for Chelsea, Angelina? Do you think City are heavy favourites, or, or will City beat them again? Will Chelsea beat them again? You know what? And Manchester United fans that are listening, I'm sorry because I'm going to upset you, but City are all over this one. And to be honest, <laughs> you've upset me now actually because I just feel the more nervous now. <laughs> I just feel like City deserve this. Oh, I, like, I agree. Yeah, I um, I I feel like you know, I, I did a I did a video months ago, um, you know, on the One Football YouTube channel talking about why I thought they were gonna um gonna win it. Where and I'm talking back when PSG, Bayern Munich were all still in the competition, etc. Um, I just feel like this has been a long time coming for you guys. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think as cringe as this, I feel like this is just written somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Like this is your moment. And if Chelsea try and take this from you, even I'm going to be mad. Like, even as a United <laughs> fan, I'm going to be mad. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, Chelsea have a very good team on their day. As we've seen, they can beat City. Um, but I just feel like Pep Guardiola, this is this is his playground, you know what I mean? He yeah. cannot mess this up. <laughs> Were you going to say something there, Joel? No, no, I, I, you know... Let's just hope Chelsea wins. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Such a hater. Yeah, come on. If really I'm nice. not hating, you can't hate. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a it's the underdog triumph story that we all want to get behind. The feel good story of the summer. You know, come on. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've got a feeling City might win because I think the past two times we played Chelsea, we've sort of played a rotated team, and it's not really yeah. been the real City. And I think when they come up against the real City, they, they might come unstuck. But yeah, I'm very, I'm very nervous about. It. I'm nervous about Guardiola just doing something mad that he's not That's done all it. season and just doing like. <laughs> one, isn't yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I woke up this morning and I just thought Phil Foden would be better in defence <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. or in goal or something yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Leicester bloody Leicester for the second year running they, Leicester, they, they lost their grip on the top four spot on the final day of the season uh, Joel last week we vowed never to call Brendan Rodgers a fraud again after Leicester's <laughs> FA Cup win are you, are you sticking to your guns on that one? 
you're dusting off the air for all the meat. You're getting out of the loft. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what? It's it's weird to say, but this has probably been less the second best season in the history of the club after winning the Premier League. And, and I guess right now, in, in, sort of in the heat of the moment, you know, a couple of days after, you know, after Sunday, you know, it, it looks like a disappointing one because it was in their hands. If, if they'd done their job, they would have got top four because Chelsea lost. Um, and, and Leicester led twice in that game mm. and played played well until they didn't play well and then as soon as they sort of went off, Spurs took their chances and, and it looked catastrophic. I, I I still I still think it's been a success, successful season for them. They win the FA Cup and, and they really wanted to win that. They, they never had done in the past. Um so the first time in history they win that trophy and, and he's still getting to the Europa League, which is still an achievement for a club like Leicester and and what it is you can still look at the season as being a transitional one. If next season they're in, the, you know, the fight for the top four again, and I think then if they don't get it again, if they miss out next season in a similar sort of way, they maybe start asking questions um, because you know maybe Brent, then you can say Brendan Rodgers taking as far as he can do. But I, I still think you, you look at it, and I hope they take the Europa League seriously because. The, the quality of the players they have and I'm sort of deaf they've added to it over the, the last year let's have a good chance of winning the Europa League or, or at least going as far as possibly can and getting quarters semis which would be you know, great I think for the club and I hope you take it seriously and, and I, I still think it's great to see and I still think Brendan Rodgers is a great coach and a great season mm. and it's just maybe a little bit disappointed what happened on Sunday yeah, well, we were singing Casper uh, Schmeichel's praises on the podcast last week, weren't we? And he uh, dropped a couple of clangers in this game, so we cursed him a bit there. But then again, Joel, as we were saying on Slack during the game, the uh, Leicester's new kit looks very Birmingham City, doesn't it? I'm, I'm not sure uh, they helped themselves with that one, really. Let's rethink that one a little bit. I, I have a theory about Leicester, actually. I mean, I, f- I feel like people find Leicester's success a bit more palatable because they aren't really a genuine, consistent threat to the big six. You know, they might win the little fairy tale league title or a cup now and again, and we can ruffle their hair and say, oh, well, on Leicester in a sort of patronising way but they're not going to spend the money to build the dynasty and really sort of ruffle feathers like, like City have done. Do you think that's that's right Angelina or, or am I talking bollocks there? I feel like some people probably do think that because it's like yeah you're not actually in this exclusive big six club like yeah. we let you in sometimes but don't get too ahead of yourselves yeah. um, but you know what I think people maybe do underestimate them sometimes and I think they probably didn't do themselves any favours, obviously, the season that they had after they won. And then they've kind of been around, you know, like the bottom part of the top half of the table. Um, But, you know, like the last couple of seasons, we've really seen them grow. um, And I think it's great. I want them to prove people wrong. Like, Mm. there's nothing more that I enjoy um, than seeing things mixed up a little bit and see... You know, as much as I'm not David Moyes' biggest fan, it's been great to see West Ham in the mix. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, I think that's what makes it really exciting. So, um, I feel like as much as I, I, I get where people are coming from, I do think a little bit more respect should be put on their names because, you know, they've still won a Premier League title, they've still won, you know, a cup. And like Joel said, I hope that they take the Europa League seriously and I hope that, um, 
I'm not going to say that they they win it because knowing Manchester United's look, we'll probably be back in the Europa League. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't say win it because, you know, we'll end up messing up in our group. We'll be given the most basic group and we'll still mess it up. So, um, but I hope they do well in the Europa League and really do kind of prove themselves. Yeah, I think perhaps the maddest start of the season was that Leicester spent 242 days in the top four this season. City, champions, only spent 130 days in the top four. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy, that, isn't it? <laughs> uh, you mentioned West Ham there, Angelina. I mean, that's one team who definitely should not be disappointed about their season. Uh, they finished sixth. Uh, were they the surprise package of the season for you? And do you expect them to sustain that momentum next year and, and perhaps have a crack at the Europa League themselves? 100%. They were the surprise package, the shock package, the jaw-dropping shock package. It was all going on. Um, but I hope so. But it's West Ham being letdowns. It's kind of in the nature. Um, what I do worry is that is it going to be a bit of a Burnley situation where juggling a little bit of European competition may be a bit too much for them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, they were definitely the surprise package and I'm hoping that they can continue, but I don't have much hope for them. <laughs> Angelina said she's not a, a David Moyes fan there, perhaps for understandable <laughs> reasons, Joel. Uh, where are you with Moyes now? Has, has, he, uh, has he rehabilitated himself for you? Is his reputation back to where it was when he left Everton? Because I think, I think the secret to West Ham's success this year was that he kind of built a team in his own image, didn't he? He sort of got rid of some of the kind of fancy down type players and, and brought in players like, um, God, I, I, my mind's gone blank now. What's his name, that defender they signed from West Brom? Oh, Craig Dawson. Craig Dawson, yeah, yeah exactly. It's just the most generic name ever, isn't it? Yeah, that's why I forgot <laughs> about it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, th- I think Moisey is back to sort of his Everton best now. Yeah, I would say so. I think he deserves, you know, a huge amount of credit. I mean, you know, West Ham went in the top four race for a large majority of the season. And, um, you know, it wouldn't be sort of most scandalous thing ever if they got there. They would have achieved it by, you know, and deserved it yourself. But I, I think he has. I, th- I think... There are realms of the, the Everton team that you built in this West Ham team as well. I mean, you know, West West Ham and, and and that Everton team both really disciplined and are really hard to beat and really hard to break down, but also really good on the counter attack and, and really good at playing football when, when they need to. And this West Ham team, you know, some of the performances they produced this year. I mean, I, I remember sort of when they beat Leeds around Christmas time, um, Ellen Road. They were exhilarating to watch that night on on the break and. And, and they got that in the locker, and then they're going out Jesse Lingard in January, and, and that, that sort of takes them on a bit as well. And yeah, the thing is with David Moyes, he, he got a lot of stick after leaving. You know, you know the way it went at United, and then the Sociedad thing, and, and hmm. sort of trying to speak Spanish, um, <laughs> and then it didn't go too well with Sunderland either, and, and then his reputation is sort of in the gutter, and it's. It, it, it deserves, you know, a fair play to him the way it's worked out because that's a lot of stick to take, and and he, you know, he could have went to, you know, taking a sort of a championship club and tried to get them up and get promoted, and it'd be a bit of an easier task. But he take West Ham where the expectations are sky high, but the thing, you know, not effort behind the scenes are sort of on level of that, and the fans can be quite unforgiving. And what and what he's done is sort of, he, like you said, built a team in his image and, and sort of taken where they sort of didn't really believe they would go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and fair play to and he's maybe should be in the talk of manager of the year, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point today. Yeah. Can you remember, Angelina, how you felt when, when Moyes was appointed by United? Because I think it's easy to say in, in sort of hindsight that it was a terrible idea. But at the time, I remember thinking it was quite a good appointment. Did, would you agree with that? 
Um, I mean, it's hard to remember because at the moment, me thinking back to those days, I feel violently ill. <laughs> um, but no, at the time, because bless us, we had faith in Fergie mm. and I'm not going to even throw any shade on Sir Alex Ferguson. But um, at the time, we was all thinking, yeah, David Moyes, you know, he's another manager that's been at Everton for so many years. Didn't really come into our heads that, hang on, he's not really won much, if anything. Um, so we were all just kind of like, this is this is like his chance to prove himself. Now that he's coming over to a team like Manchester United, he's really going to shine. And then when we saw the backroom staff disappear and Phil Neville at his side... I was concerned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, Phil Neville's tearing it up in Miami now, isn't he? So, you know. Living he, his best life. He's on the last laugh, hasn't he? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, Tottenham will be England's representative in the inaugural Conference League after they finish seventh. Um, is that something to be excited about for them, Angelina, or is it just a bit embarrassing? There's actually a team in that called Europa FC who are from Gibraltar, which is just, yeah, brilliant, isn't it? I, I can't wait. I mean, I think it depends on how you look at it and what company you'll be keeping there. But I mean, you know, is your glass half full Spurs fans or is it half empty? (laughs) Is this an easier way to possibly win silverware? That might be fun. (laughs) Fans will get to travel to new foreign lands. San Marino. Exactly. (laughs) It's lovely this time of year, yeah. Who doesn't love San Marino? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) New experiences. I mean, I'm kind of a travel agent, like I'm trying to sell something. (laughs) But I feel, you know, Cup half full, please. Um, but on the other hand, a team with that much, you know, money, players to have been in a Champions League final not that long ago, it's a bit of a fall from grace. Yeah. Um, so I can get why people are annoyed about it. Um, but at the same time, they would have still been annoyed if they hadn't have got it. So just make your peace with it and get yeah. on board. If my Twitter timeline is anything to go off, the, the Arsenal fans um, amongst us were, were quite happy that they finished eighth instead of seventh by the looks of things, <laughs> which is quite, quite bizarre, isn't it? Um, Spurs have a, a pretty big re- rebuilding job on their hands this summer, it seems, Joel. Um, what will be more important for them, hiring a good manager or, or keeping Harry Kane, do you think? Oh, that's a question, Al, isn't it? Um, if, if it's a huge summer for them. And I, I think it's actually getting the right manager in because, you know, they sort of, you know, they go, they go the way they do with Mourinho and, and he can understand to an extent why they did because he wanted to win trophies and he is someone who has trophies on his CV. But now Daniel Levy and, and Spurs are sort of hinted at this sort of trying to go back to sort of an uh, attacking, high-pressing type of football that they had in Russia Pochettino. And so that's sort of in their criteria for the, the guy they're looking for next. Um, and I think they've got to get that right. Cause I, I think the thing is with, with, with Kane, I understand sort of obviously keeping will be hugely important and great if they do. And they obviously won't you know, digress as a team if, if Kane does stay. But there's a chance to get this right if they do sell Kane and, and spend the money mm. well. Sort of sort of in the way that you know Liverpool did with, with Coutinho and, and, and teams have done when, when they've sold big players in the past and used the money right. And the only thing is with Spurs, we do have receipts on records where they've sold a big player and not spent the money really well. <laughs> you know, when they sold Gareth Bale and apparently bought the Beatles. Sold Elvis and bought the Beatles, yeah, I was <laughs> going to say that, yeah. <laughs> Didn't quite work too well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he has to get that right if that happens. And, and the, the thing is, it came won't be as his price will only go down after this summer because his age, maybe injury record. If they can maximise that this this year and spend it well, then they get that right. But 
they have to get their managerial decision right, if, 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 and that, it goes from there as well. Get the, the right person in and, and sell Kane and use the money well. This could be a really good summer for Spurs, but there's a high chance it could be disastrous as well. Yeah, I always think there's no point keeping a player who doesn't want to be there. Exactly. You might as well cash in and just uh, yeah try and try and rebuild because you know I don't really see them having serious money to spend if they don't you know raise some funds by selling somebody. So um, it seems like a pretty pretty simple way to do it. But I can understand why they'd be reluctant to, to let go of the greatest player they've had for a long time as well. So. Tricky one. Um, yeah, we mentioned Arsenal earlier. Just behind Spurs were, were eighth place Arsenal. That, that means the Gunners will not be playing European football next season for the first time in 25 years. Um, Angelina, could that perhaps be a, a blessing in disguise to not have to play on Thursday nights next season? A hundred percent, I think so. I mean, speaking to some Arsenal fans um, that, that I know, I think they kind of agree that they need a break. It's like they've been keeping up with the Joneses for however many years mm. now and they can't do it anymore. Like, We've got to be real. Do you know what I mean? They, I just think it's too much pressure for them. And I think this is a chance to take five this summer, get rid of who they don't want or who doesn't want to be there, bring in some new faces. I'm not sure what kind of calibre of players they'll be able to bring in, obviously, with no European football. I think that's going to be the only downside for them. Um, but I think they've just got to focus on, you know, as much as they've been this great team many, many moons ago now, <laughs> quite a while ago, really. But I think you've got to get rid of all that, the nostalgia and the history and everything, and just focus on the basics, which is getting back to competing within the top six. Yeah, I don't feel like any any player really joins a club to play in the Europa League, do they? It's, exactly. It's more, the Champions League's a big draw, but and I think Arteta, more than anyone in the league, probably needs some time on the training pitch with his players to really get his ideas across to them yeah. and stuff. So uh, the more time you can, you can do that, the better. Uh, what do you think Arsenal's biggest problem was this season, Joel? And are you backing Arteta to, to solve it for them next season? I, I think he alluded to it there, Dan. Um, he needs time on the training pitch, and, and I think the problem this year is they've not had that at all. Um, like a lot of clubs have, but the thing is, with clubs in, in European competition, you know, you're playing sort of Sunday, Thursday, um, and, and you're sort of you know using one, two days of recovery, and you've got one day to prepare for a game in most weeks. And I think that's been his issue because the one thing I would say about Arsenal, uh, which I think maybe is fair to say, is that I'm not quite sure what they're meant to be under Arteta. Um, mm. He come in the middle of last season, they win the FA Cup, and you see sort of towards the end of the season, they're very disciplined at the back and they don't win games, you know, by scoring loads of goals. They are clinical and they are, they are hard to beat, which Arsenal have not always been. Um, and you're thinking, you know, this year, are, are they going to sort of build on that and are they going to become that kind of team? And you don't really see that. They're now easy to beat. And the thing is, they're not exactly exhilarating going forward. Um, they bring Emil Smith Rowe in sort of halfway through the season and, and him and Mikhail Saka and, and Lacazette link very well. And you think that's maybe something they're going to build on. I'm still not quite sure. Are they meant to be a good possession based team? Or are they meant to be sort of a team that's going to really pressure high and, and score goals on the counter attack? Um, and, and no one really knows that yet. And I think. That you know, Arsenal could use this summer to sort of build that and, and finally build his identity. If you want to use that word, and, mm. and maybe that's what we're going to say. But in terms of backing him to solve that, I was, I think the knives will be out. And I think if if Arsenal sort of eighth, ninth, tenth come October, I, I think we could be seeing some 
maybe changes there at the Emirates. And I think Arteta really has to hit the ground running next year. Yeah, they're another one who you can't imagine they're going to have a lot of money to spend this summer. And that's probably what they need, isn't it? Really, They need some uh, decent players that they don't players, have. And- players you want to leave. You know, the Athletic Report and Ben Leno and Grant Xhaka, amongst a few others, want to leave the club this summer. Mm. And the, th- the thing is, I'm not quite sure who's going to go and buy, who's got the money to buy those players. And, if, you know, again, like Spurs, if, if Arsenal sell those players and get the money in, they can use that quite well. But then, who's going to go and spend money on Lennon and Xhaka? I think exactly. Yeah, uh, we'll finish in ninth in the table. Were Leeds United? Angelina is uh, is guided newly promoted Leeds to a top half finish. Uh, finish manager of the year. Worthy stuff from. Marcelo Bielsa. I mean, they got fifty nine points, which is better than Wolves Italia fifty seven when they came up in in twenty eighteen I think so. Yeah, um, I think it can definitely be hard for you know promoted teams. The pressure is really on, and I think for Leeds there was that added pressure of them staying up, being back in the Premier League. So I think it was massive for them to finish um, to to finish well, to finish in the top half. And you know they've had some cracking games over the season. Mm. Um, I think there's been a good mixture of the good, the bad, and the ugly with them. So um, I think it's definitely uh, a great achievement for them. And and you know what? Why why not consider him for it? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, his, his interviews alone are worthy of some sort of award, exactly. I would imagine. Yeah, So, yeah, give the translator an award as well, I would say. He's done a cracking <laughs> job this season. Um, do you feel like this season was a, was a, voyage, a voyage of discovery for Bielsa Joel? I mean, at one point, people were, were saying he was a bit too gung-ho. Do you think he took measures to address that in the second half of the season? Yeah, definitely. Because I think, you know, after, you know, you go to Old Trafford and, and they get tonked, don't they, really? And mm. I think a lot of criticism comes Bielsa's way that day. And I still think they stay sort of true to his principles and true to the way he wants to play. But it looks like they have learned and, and they sort of kind of adapt. I mean, you know, the second half of the year, you, know, you don't, use, don't lose United at home, don't lose Liverpool at home, go and beat City, uh, go and beat Tottenham. And in those games, they still sort of play the way they want to play. But then you saw it at City, the way they sort of go down to 10 men. And then what they, they, they don't necessarily go gung-ho that day. They sort of do come a little bit more withdrawn, a little bit more disciplined, a bit more harder um, behind the ball and, and use their chance as well and become a bit more clinical. And I don't think if, if that game had worked out the way it did, maybe in October, November, I think City go and win that 6-7-0 that day. Um, so that suggests the Avalanche, and, and that, that can only be a good goal forward because Leeds got a potential here to become a team that can mess up the top six. Yeah, um, They've got the, the manager who's held by some of the best coaches in world football. They've got a lot of good young players, some exciting players. And if they can just add that to their game, which it looks like they have, the Leeds are capable of winning games when they want to play attack and they want to impress. And they can win games when they need to do sort of the ugly bits as well. Uh, and I think next year you could be talking about Leeds being in the top six for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, slap bang in the middle of the table were Everton, champions of September in 10th. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, yeah, given we thought we were looking at possible title contenders early in the season, how disappointed should Everton feel about that mid-table finish, you think, Angelina? They should be disgraced. They were dreadful <laughs> against City on Sunday, by the way. Abysmal, I would say, is is not to uh, find a point to put on it. Like, honestly, if I was an Everton fan, I would be disgraced by that team. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, 
They had everything on the side in that they've got a good manager. They brought in some decent players. They've got some decent players that on paper should be performing and it's just not worked. And it's just Everton as a club. It just never happens, does it? I think they need help maybe from Jesus or some kind of God or maybe some voodoo or a fairy godmother. I don't know what it is, but they need something to break this awful cycle that they're in because it's too much for me and I don't even really have much of an opinion on Everton you, do you know what I mean like yeah. they're just there the other you know in Liverpool that's about it I wish them well if anything to be honest yeah, yeah. exactly like I, <laughs> I don't have any it's like Man United we don't have like a rivalry with them like I don't have that much hatred towards them or anything I just want them to just sort themselves out and get their act together um I just think you know, it, it was just really ropey and they had, you know, I was expecting them to be a bit, you know, like a West Ham of really making something of this season and taking the ball by the horns. And um, yeah, they just didn't. Really, really disappointing. And like you say, looking at how they started to how they finished, I mean... I feel like Everton fans are probably angry at the end of every season anyway because it never happens. But I'd be even more angry that you got so close to a little bit of success mm. and you've lost it. Yeah. I mean, I thought the, uh, the divine intervention they'd be waiting for was, was Carlo Ancelotti. But I remember asking you exactly. this, this exact question on last year's season review, Joel. Are Everton cursed? And is the job too big even for Ancelotti? It's it's just mad that, you know, a, you know, a fan base and a team that, Release the song with the line, with, <laughs> Here we with, go. The line, with the line we don't know the meaning of losing end up finishing tenth and um, tenth in the Premier League. Um, He's loving it's, this. It's, it's, it's a bit mad. Um, the, I, I think you're on something now. I, the thing is with Everton. I mean, you mentioned West Ham there. They're probably looking at you know, their old manager at West Ham finishing the top six where they want to be. And I'm thinking, what's gone wrong? Because Everton do have one of the best coaches in world football. And even now, I would say, still in their dugout. And, you know, he doesn't come, he shouldn't come away with no criticism because he has made mistakes this year. Um, But it could be just the job is just, there's just too much to do for him right now. And that maybe he's not the right type of coach for them right now. Because the thing is, Everton have better players than West Ham um, Mm. in nearly every position. But the, the thing, the thing is, Sort of, it's whether they're not being motivated correctly, and maybe that is down to Angelotti. But I, I just wonder whether they they've got better players, but not the right type of players in terms of players who, when it, it does get tough, they're not the players who are going to sort of, you know, uh, put the backs against the wall and get them out of the mire, uh, which West Ham do have, by the way. And you know, I think a lot of Everton fans I saw were criticising sort of the players when it, when it did get tough towards the end of the season, they started losing games uh, quite consistently. The players didn't look like trying to get him out of it. They sort of accepted their fate. And I just think there's a lot of things that have gone wrong there. And I don't think they necessarily have a plan. Even even getting Ancelotti in, which, you know, Farad Mashuri gets Ancelotti in, it just seems like they're getting the big name in rather than the name they necessarily needed right right now. Mm. And the players he signed last last summer, um, which, you know, maybe only Decore's worked out for them. They, they get Alan in and James Rodriguez players who sort of maybe had their best years gone bad more already. And, and maybe, you know, they're, they're better players than West Ham have, but they're not necessarily the right players what Everton needed for right now. And I think it's just they're a team that are lacking in a plan and lacking in a strategy. And I don't know where that comes. I think that's something we have to look at this summer, but whether they have the right, the right people behind the scenes making decisions, I'm not quite sure. Well, get David Moyes back. 
he brings Craig, <laughs> Craig Dawson with him. Get Tim Cahill out of retirement. Leon Osman, he'll Damn. do a job. There you go, All sorted. Yeah, big dunks all there already, isn't he? So he's ready and waiting to come on any time. So yeah, easy. Uh, <laughs> another club who became victims of their early season success, Raston Villa, who finished 11th in the end. Um, are they the, the Jack Grealish team, Angelina? And Are they in big trouble if he leaves this summer? I mean, the, the form was dipped significantly without him, didn't it? 100% of course, this is the Jack Grealish team. I don't know why they don't just change their crest to his face. (laughs) Um, He's carried them for so long. I think he needs a break. I think he needs a move to somewhere that there's not as much pressure on him. Um, You know, they have got some other, you know, good players, but I think he is just, you know, he takes the team to the next level when he's, you know, when he's good, he really does make all the difference. Um, Yeah, not, not great from them. And I think definitely big trouble I really hope you would really like to think that as much as they've been slapping these you know big price tags on him and I think kind of doing what they can to avoid you know losing him I really hope that someone somewhere has thought you know what guys there's a very good chance we could lose him let's get a bit of a contingency plan together just in case but I feel like they've not and I just feel like (laughs) it's going to be a nightmare yeah please stay Jack that's, that's yeah. the plan, isn't it, basically? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you rate Ollie Watkins's, uh, Ollie Watkins' debut season in the Premier League, Joel? Was, was he worth the money they paid for him in the end, do you think? Big price tag, but you know, he does get 14 goals, and, and I think it's been a successful season for him. And the, the thing is, Watkins, he, he has potential as well. He still has a high ceiling and uh, plenty of years to get there. And, and I think he reminds me a little bit, not, not necessarily... Totally like Jamie Vardy, but there is a bit of Jamie Vardy about him in the way that he can run the channels and and get onto sort of lofted balls over the top kind of thing and and, and turn something out of nothing from there. And and I, I think it, it's it's been a good season for him, and I think there's big potential. And he's obviously done the right thing because he's now in the provisional England squad for the Euros, and you know ahead of Danny Ings. So it's clear that you know even Gareth Southgate, who's a, you know a great determiner of players' ability. Clearly, can see there's there's something in there, um, and so yeah, been, been a good season for Watkins. Yeah, he's one that I think Chelsea might be having a look at this this summer. I've got a feeling. It's I don't, interesting I don't, one. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we said about Haaland, he's probably, he's probably not going to move. I don't know if if Spurs will be in a rush to do business with Chelsea when when Harry Kane comes available. So Watkins might be a decent little buy for them if they can uh, if they can get that one done. Insight. Watch this space. Yeah, it's not an insight. It's just a pure <laughs> guess. <laughs> so it's probably complete nonsense. If someone from Chelsea's listening to this, like, what's he talking about? But there you go. We'll see. We'll see. If I, you know, I was right about Sheffield United. I might be right about this one as well. Well, then you never know. Uh, I had to do a double take when I looked at the final league table and saw that Newcastle finished twelfth. How the hell did that happen? Um, Angelina, is, is Steve Bruce owed, uh, owed a lot of apologies for steering them away from trouble this season, or, or should they never have been down there in the first place? I mean, I think that's a bit of a stretch, a lot of apologies, isn't it? I mean, (laughs) it ain't that good. Um, I mean, you know what? It's good that, I guess in a way, it's good that they didn't sack him because who knows, it could have ended up being even worse with the disruption of it. It could have really finished them off. But I'm just sick of seeing them in these situations. Like, like similar Everton, to Everton, they, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm over this drama. Like, get your <laughs> act together and sort it out. Why are we losing to Brighton? Why are we drawing with West Brom? Why are we losing to Crystal Palace? Get your act together because I do think there are, I think there's work to be done. But I think, you know, there are some good names in the squad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a, a slight round of applause for steering them away from trouble. But Steve Bruce... 
I'd say you should know better, but looking at some of the other jobs he's had, maybe he doesn't know better, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, he should have known better that they shouldn't have been down there in the first place. Yeah, for sure. How how bad or, or good is, is Newcastle's squad exactly, Joel? Do you have a handle on it? Do, do you think they need major reinforcements or is there some talent going to waste there? I think it's the latter. I think Angelina alludes to it there. That there are some names in there. You know, the likes of Alan St. Maximan and, um, and Karen Wilson, you know, a lot of teams below them and even some teams above them would, would kill to have that kind of Mm. going forward and I think we just need to be utilised correctly and um, I'm not quite sure what's happened with, with Ryan Fraser this year but it's not quite taken off his move there But I forgot that, they signed him actually yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how many games he's, he's really sort of got involved with recently I know he was injured early on um, but he always tends to be on the bench every time you look mm. and that is someone who you know Produced like 14, 15 assists a couple of years ago for Bournemouth, uh, playing with Wilson. So there's obviously an understanding there. And um, it's, I don't think it's something that needs a major overhaul. I, th- I think that there are bits to work with already. It's just the manager's approach and whether he is the right manager for them. Um, because you know, they sort of do get safety by playing five at the back and, and grinding out horrible results but getting results here and there. But you see it sort of towards the end of the season um, when he sort of, you know, Let's them off the leash a bit. They, they, they're scoring goals and they're playing really well. They score four at Leicester, score three past Scott Carson at Man City. Um, and you're thinking, if, if they can do that sort of, why can't they do that earlier on the season? They have the players to do it. Why can't they take that approach earlier on and maybe be, be a bit more exciting to watch? And you never know where that might lead. And um, I just think that's that's maybe what they've got to sort of work on. But that sort of relies on Steve Bruce changing his approach and changing his philosophy. And not quite sure he'll do it. Yeah, nothing's going to change until they get a takeover at that club, is it, basically? That's what they're crying out for. They need a new ownership, a fresh start, new manager, bring some new players in and start again. Otherwise, it's just going to be the same again next season, I would imagine. Uh, Crystal Palace finished 13th in the end. Angelina, are you sad to see Roy Hodgson bow out of football? And uh, do you understand the hate that he gets from Liverpool fans at all? Oh, you know what? Because I don't understand it. I mean, Joel and Co, you need to give your heads a bit of a wobble, do you know what I mean? Because I just, you know what, I am sad over a thousand games managed in his career, you know, he's not won loads, but he's a nice enough man. And it's like, I get why Liverpool fans are a little bit salty, but can we let it go? I mean, it's worked out in the end, you've won the Premier League It was ages eventually. ago as well, yeah. Yeah, like, I, we I, I need could, to I let it go. I could go detail, but I don't want to get sued, so... <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, he's a 73-year-old man. Let's just let him retire in peace. 45-year yeah. you know career where he's won nothing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, hey, he won, he won our hearts what? and minds. That's what he won. <laughs> exactly. And he has been very busy because did you know that Roy Hodgson is actually multilingual? He speaks Swedish, German, Italian and French. So can you speak those languages, Joel? Absolutely not, I can't even speak English. Probably. Well, there you go. So, bless him. He's may not have won a lot of things, if anything, but at least he's excelled in other ways. So, leave him alone, I say. Yeah. <laughs> well, Palace finished the season with 12 wins, 8 draws, 18 defeats. I mean, that, that's the final two fingers to you from Roy, isn't it, Joel? The, the Roy Hodgson algorithm not working <laughs> out this season. Yeah, I'm not sure I went wrong, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I mean, but again, again, they finished 13th, which is a bang smack where Crystal Palace and Roy Hodgson tend to finish. And, um, yeah, that's in their DNA, isn't it? 13th place. Yeah. DNA, yeah. I mean, I, okay, fair play to Hodgson. He's had, he's had a long career um, and long and very successful career, shall we say? Um, <laughs> yeah, but, he's yeah, not full to Europa League final. It's not bad, is it? Could be worse. <laughs> yeah. He made Paul Konchesky look like a good footballer. 
Yep. He, he nearly ruined the base of course his career, which is um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing is of Hodgson, and at this point it's made on, on many Liverpool podcasts, he is someone who makes very bad players average, but he's also someone who makes very good players average as well. So <laughs> I'll leave it there with Roy Hodgson. Yeah, that's the Roy Hodgson algorithm <laughs> yeah. right there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, in 14th place were Wolves. Uh, Nuno Espirito Santo was, of course, taking charge of his last game for the club now. I know the Wolves fans love him for the job that he did there, but do you think it's fair to say that it shouldn't be too hard to find an upgrade on him, Angelina? I, I think he's a pretty average coach, to be honest with you, and I've always thought that about him. Uh, I think not after this season. I don't think... Uh... I don't think it'll be too hard to find an upgrade. It's not really a tough job. You know, just somebody who doesn't completely crumble because a player or two get injured. A manager that doesn't just stick to the Portuguese market. And I don't think yeah. they're going to get away from that, to be honest. <laughs> <I> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I just, um, I kind of, I, I get where you're coming from, to be honest. I think there have been times when I think it's been overhyped a little um, with Nuno. Um so, yeah, I don't think it's going to be too hard to to find an upgrade. Um, I think especially after this season, I think, you know, they should be grateful for the good times that they've had, you know, the the times that they've been competing in Europe and everything. Um, but I, I think if I was a Wolves fan, I'd be taking this as, um, as a positive, really. Like, this is, you know, like a new chapter um, and hopefully they can turn things around because this season's been pretty dire yeah any thoughts on who they might appoint Joel I mean it sounds like they're in talks with ex-Benfica coach Bruno Large so it's probably going to be him isn't it I guess it looks like it's going to be um, and that's you know, he's someone who's not necessarily had a big long career um, you know he's had 18 months in charge of Benfica he wins the league with them and so you know I guess it's, that's something to work on there but he's he's also he's had experience in Britain where he's worked with Carlos Carvajal Chef Wed and Swansea and it it does just scream of you know someone who's linked to Jorge Mendes. He does have you know a lot of connections with the club, and and I think that's maybe something to try to sort of flip there. And and I guess with with Nuno Espirito Santo before he came in, he wasn't massively experienced. So if they follow that model, maybe that work out for Wolves. But um, yeah, we'll have to see on that. I, I think the time was right for Nuno to leave. I think he's probably taken him as far as he could and. Um, I think Wolves fans are maybe a bit scared of where it's going to go next, but we'll have to wait and see on that one, won't we? Yeah, they need a little refresh, don't they? I can see them bouncing back a bit next season, yeah. Uh, Southampton, it was a 15th place finish for them in the end. Uh, where are you at with Ralph Hasenhutl now, Angelina? Should he be doing a better job with that squad or, or is lower mid-table about right for them? I feel like it should be more mid-table than lower mid, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, so um, I think they definitely should be doing better. Again, you know, another team that do have... Um, you know, a couple of talented players that I want to see. I want to see better from them. I want to see better from the the team. Um, I mean, I guess it's it's one of those. It's looking at who you're going to bring in. Um, but I mean, if if things got switched up a little bit, I wouldn't be mad. Yeah, me neither, really. Yeah. What about Danny Ings, Joel? What does the summer hold for him? Do you think is he uh, better off staying put or, or seeking pastures new? Do you think? I think the latter. I think it's maybe time for him to consider leaving. Um, and I think he might be. I mean, you know, Ings is 28 now and, you know, he's given a couple, good couple of years to Southampton and, like, you know, he scored goals for them consistently. And the fingers of Ings, you know, his, his one big move didn't necessarily pay off when he went to Liverpool. And injuries obviously played their part and the reason why that wasn't necessarily successful. But he's talented enough to play for a team that's fighting for. 
you know, the Champions League or Europa League. And, and, and I do wonder, you know, with the likes of Man City and Chelsea, maybe possibly looking for a strike this year, maybe even Tottenham as well, uh, whether there is a, a move in there for him. I, I think if Kane does go, I think Ings going to Spurs probably makes the most sense for everyone mm. involved. And, and, I, and I think I think the time is probably right. He's, he's given a couple of years to Southampton and, and, and deserves a move. And, and I think that's this summer we're going to see it as well. Yeah, him not getting in that England squad's a bit disappointed, I think, actually, because mm. he's had a really good season, hasn't he? And if he, yeah, if he played for City, he'd be in there, wouldn't he? I mean, he's had a better season than Raheem Sterling, I'll tell you that, but he's not in the England yeah. squad. It's, yeah, a bit of a shame for him, that really. And maybe his last chance to really get into a, a squad yeah, for a tournament as well. So, unlucky, Danny. Uh, Brighton finished 16th. Uh, are you having Graham Potter, Angelina, or, or does all this chat about them underperforming their XG just mask some pretty big managerial flaws for you? Oh, my God, I'm so over this. Like, it <laughs> it's is so boring, isn't it? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but a couple of years ago, people weren't even talking about this anyway. Now he's just <laughs> pulling it out of the bag yeah. and just smearing it on every single wall he can find. Like, <laughs> it's just. Like, it's not that. You're not getting the best out of the team. You haven't for a long time. Take responsibility, cut your losses and go and give this team an actual fighting chance (laughs) because I literally, there is nothing I cannot stand more than. If you're rubbish, like, just be rubbish and own it. Like, don't be (laughs) trying to blame it on stupid stuff. Like, so yeah, as you can tell by the tone of my voice, I'm completely over it. No, I'm sort of with you on that. I think my, my most sort of Yadar football opinion is that it is a results business and you've got to win games or you're not a good manager. Like, it's as simple as that. I, I think he could end up with Spurs, you know. I wouldn't be surprised to talk to yeah. the back. I'd be interested to see what happened if he did if he did go there, if, if that would translate with a better squad, his football, if it would translate to success. Mm, yeah, yeah, true. But yeah, if you're Brighton, it's all right playing nice football, but you've got to put the ball in the old onion bag, Graham. <laughs> simple as that someone who knows all about that is Sean Dyche uh, I mean they finished just outside the relegation spots Burnley and in, in uh, 17th place but you know that's five consecutive seasons of Premier League football for them now do you feel like you you have a handle on exactly how good a manager Dyche is at this point Joel no but I, I don't I think this summer we, we might get that because you know Burnley have got new owners and, and owners that have said that they're willing to sort of give enough money to you know, refresh the squad which it's probably needed because they haven't been busy in the last couple of transfer windows. Um, so if we're going to see Sean Dyche with money, that, that could be apocalyptic for the rest of the Premier League <laughs> or, or just apocalyptic for Burnley. We'll have to see on that. Um, it's one of them. And, or, you know, we might see Dyche move on this year. And, and, you know, if someone like, you know, Palace loves looking for a new manager and Newcastle might end up looking for a new manager. Mm-hmm. If, if one of those clubs, you know, um, go for him, then we might try and see, you know, if he can, you know, sort of reflect what he's done at Burnley at another club, um, but he's, he has done a great job there, um, keeping him up. In, you know, five years consecutively. That's you know, brilliant with lowest budgets in the Premier League for those five years as well. And um, then you know that that's always a success. And then and, and absolutely hats off to him. Indeed. Uh, well, then we come to the relegation spots. We'll start with Fulham. Uh, Will Unwin, uh, Unwin tweeted on Sunday, uh, Fulham had a decent striker. I reckon they could have been relegated with a few more points. Uh, do you agree with that, Angelina? Were they always a bit of a lost cause as soon as they came up via the playoffs? A few more points. Who cares about a few more points? They got relegated <laughs> end of. Um, I mean, as much as you can try and say, oh, you know, the, the pride, and it pride's long gone, mate. Like, I don't <laughs> really think a few more points is going to change anything um as much as I don't like to say I do think they always did look a little bit lost to be honest I didn't really see them bringing the right players in um I think if they'd have brought in I don't know maybe a striker as well as the defensive players that they brought in I don't know if they were maybe the right players um 
I think it was always going to be an uphill battle. And as as it is, you know, coming into the Premier League, it's not always going to be a walk in the park. Um, so, yeah, I think it was always going to be an uphill battle. And I don't think they set themselves up with the right pair of walking shoes for the uphill battle. <laughs> yeah, agreed, yeah. I mean, that, that, the chance for them to sort of save their season was that, that win at Liverpool, wasn't it, basically? That, yeah. They f- it felt like the momentum was with them and they sort of let it slip at that point, really. And uh, it was difficult starts to the season for them, but they did have a chance to rescue it and it just, yeah, didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, West Brom finished 19th and we now know that Sam Allardyce won't be continuing the club with the club next season. Um, is that him done now, Joel, do you think? Is, uh, or, or will the team in, in the relegation zone panic and hire him, <laughs> hire him again next season? Of course you- they will. <laughs> you would think now he's got a relegation on CV that he's not a safe bet, but um, no, I, if, I, I think if we're looking in the November December time, the clubs at the bottom of the league, I, I think he's got one more left in him, one more uh, one more rodeo left to go. And <laughs> the last yeah, dance, the last, last dance for Big Sam, and, and we've seen him dancing, yeah, uh, with his pint of wine, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'd like to see him back in the Barclays again. I think he, I think he's uh, he's part of the furniture, isn't he? I enjoyed him this season, actually. I've, I've, you know, we've quoted him a lot on this podcast, and I've, I thought he was, uh, he was good value. Yeah, he was on form, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Uh, Sheffield United, of course, finished the season bottom of the table. I don't want to blame their relegation on him exclusively, but was uh, that £25 million signing of, of Rian Brewster their biggest mistake, Angelina? Good point, I guess. I mean, yeah, we're not going to blame it all on him. Um, no goals, I no think, assists. Bit of a waste of money, that, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think spending that much on and arguably, well... Not arguably, because he's kind of shown that he's unproven. Well, yeah, an unproven player that wasn't the best. I feel like they could have got somebody else with the experience needed. I feel like in a second season where it can get tough, as we've seen with Sheffield, um, I think they've, they've brought the wrong player in. And I think they maybe got a little bit too ahead of themselves and perhaps underestimated what this season would bring. So I think it's definitely, um, you know, it's definitely played a quite a big role um and and I, f- I feel so for the lad to be honest as well mm. um but yeah I, th- I think part of the blame definitely but they just I just don't think I think they completely underestimated what they were facing what I do think about him though is that you know he had that good spell at Swansea on loan from Liverpool didn't he so they've got a, a championship proven striker there who could, yeah. could be really helpful to them next season it wasn't what he was bought for but no. yeah you might you might see them come back up again and him score loads of goals in the championship it wouldn't surprise me at all if that happened um, speaking of coming up from the championship a quick word on the promoted teams uh, we already know that Norwich and Watford are coming up Joel do you expect them to be both better equipped for the Premier League this uh, next season I think Norwich will be um, they will learn from their experience of, of going down last time and they've come back up, you know, at a canter, really. Uh, the thing is with Watford, they're, they're a strange one that <laughs> probably sacked their manager twice next season and <laughs> somehow stay up. And it, it works, them. they've got a model that works. Big right? Sam's not done Watford yet, just throwing that out there. <laughs> well, there we go, there's his last chance. Um, not quite sure what Watford are really going to be about, we'll, we'll have to see, but um, I won't be surprised if they find a way to stay up. Yeah. Two managers. I've got an image in my head of Big Sam dancing to Elton John playing piano now, which would be uh, which would be great, wouldn't <laughs> we it? Yeah, that, don't we? yeah we do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the the playoff final pits Swansea against Brentford. Any preference on who you would like to come up with? Are those two, Angelina? Um, I'll probably go with Brentford just because I want to see Ivan Tony, although he may be in the Premier League anyway because yeah. he could be signing for a club but if he does end up staying with them um, I think it would be really nice to see um, massive massive fan of him um, and I think it would be interesting to see how Thomas Frank does at the helm as well um, in the Premier League so you know I, I like his story so I'd, I'd probably go with them I think it's nice to see 
um a, a, a different name in the mix no hate to swansea or anything yeah, but agreed. yeah yeah agreed uh i would like to see a new team as well but if swansea do come up i think they played some lovely football under steve cooper don't they so that'll be yeah. that'll be a welcome addition to the the league uh right let's uh rattle through some end of season awards then before we finish so let's have your player of the season you can go first joel yeah, I'm going to go Harry Kane. Um, most goals and most assists. He's had a great season in a team that's not really done really well, so um, I think deserves it. To play devil's advocate, does it matter that he got the most goals and most assists if they finished Ooh. seventh? No, what? it is not necessarily, but he's, his performance has been great throughout the year, mm. and I, I think he, he just stands out just just enough. Just because I can't also decide between Ilkay Kondigan or Al Cancelo, who <laughs> should be in the mix as well, so... We'll go rogue and go Kane. Well, I'm going to go for Gundogan. I think he deserves his flowers because I think he was the pivotal player for City in that sort of February, March time when they really stormed to the top of the table. He was the one who was scoring all the goals. I mean, he finished top scorer with 13 and really filled in for De Bruyne. So I think it's a bit of a shame that he's sort of fallen out of the, the reckoning a little bit with a kind of like, his form tailed off a little bit towards the end of the season. Yeah. For you, Angelina? The bias within me would love to go for Bruno Fernandes, but I'm <laughs> not. Um I feel like Ruben Diaz, like as much as, you know, he's he's already won something, but, you know, I just think he's been absolutely spectacular. I think he, yeah, he's just since his arrival, I just really, really rate him. I'm absolutely fuming that you guys have got him, to be honest. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'd probably overall looking at all the options, that's who I'd go for. Absolutely no one thought he would be player of the year at the start no. of the season, did they? <laughs> Nobody would have predicted that, which is quite uh, strange, really. Uh, Joel, your manager of the season, please. I know you don't agree that it should always go to the manager. I always think it should do, but to to sort of you know play you know throw in a different one and, and go uh, be a bit more exciting. I am gonna go with Moisey. I think he probably deserves it more. Just getting West Ham sick when they, last year they were fighting for relegation. I think is is, is great and and that's uh, you know actually hats off to him. He's, he's reinvented himself and you know he's bounced back. Yeah, it certainly has, Angelina. You know what? I actually went with David Moyes as well. As much as I throw shade on him and he's not my number one person that I'd like to, you know, go and have a pint with or something, for example. <laughs> um, I do think you have to, you know, credit where credit's due. I think they've had a brilliant season and I don't think any West Ham fan would have predicted uh, the season that they've had. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm going to st- I'm going to go with Moyes as well. Yeah, that's three mm. three votes for Big Dave. Well, well done. The chosen one <laughs> is back. Uh, goal of the season, Joel. Actually, it's a recent one, and I, I know, excuse me, recently bias all you want, but I think Cavani's against Fulham was mm. chipped from 45 yards. I mean, it shouldn't count. It should, it should be ruled out for offside. But, um, <laughs> you know, it did count. The letter of the law, it, it counts. And um, yeah, I, think, I just think the technique on that. And and I think maybe the reason why it's in my head has, has been goal of the season is that it helps that the fans were there and the fans were there to react yeah. to it. So you get the full exposure on that as well. But the technique's brilliant. So that, you know, Cavani against Fulham for me. Yeah, a couple of guys in in our uh, uh, newsroom when we did this sort of written piece for the end of the season said uh, Allison against West Brom, and I thought, you know, what, that's a good shout actually. You don't, you don't see that very often, do you? What was yours, Angelina? You know what? I promise, me and Joel did not discuss our answers before the podcast. <laughs> what I had gone with because I have to give myself one biased thing. I didn't go with Bruno Fernandez for Player of the Season, so you've got to give me something. So I went again. Uh, with Cavani's goal against Fulham, like Joel said, shouldn't count, shouldn't really pick it, but I don't care. It was great. <laughs> there you go. Well, in the written piece, I said Salah against West Ham, which is a goal that I did enjoy it a lot. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with Lamella, though. I think, again, you don't yeah. see that very often, do you? So, 
Yeah, Incre- that that was one of the probably the only goals that I saw this season where I was like, wow, when it first happened, you know, I really sort of like mm. shouted. So, yeah, um, this is a bit of an abstract one, but your moment of the season on a personal level, if you if you want to make it like that, you can go first, Joel. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm going to go Allison against West Brom, mm-hmm. I think, um, in a game where Liverpool needed to win um, and didn't look like winning and the goalkeeper just come, comes up <laughs> and produces a header, which is peak P- Alan Shearer, S. Keller. And uh, and I think what makes it sort of great as well is the things that, you know, Allison's gone through this year. You know, he loses his dad. He's a guy, he's a, he's a very spiritual man. And then uh, he sort of refers to it afterwards. And I think the goal, the interview post-match he does with Sky, all that thrown in together, I think. Uh, I think it's one of them. I've not had many moments this year that have really got got me off my seat. You know, Lanzini's goal against for West Ham, Kate Spears, the comeback mm. was one of them. But other than that, I think it was mainly that Allison goal where I was just like, wow. And I think, yeah, I'd absolutely go for that. For that yeah. One. I'm going to go for City's win at Anfield, which I know wasn't your moment of the season, but it was for me. <laughs> I waited a long time to win on that ground and it felt good. So. Uh, and, that, and I think that was the moment when I think City like won the league, essentially. Yeah, that, was when I, sure. that was when I thought, yeah, we're going to do it now. For you, Angelina? Um because Man United have just, there's been some more right moments, but there's not been anything that's completely astounded me. Like, I need better. Um, I would probably say just to wind Joel up and be a little bit of a bitter Betty. And for numerous other reasons as well. I think Aston Villa beating Liverpool 7 <laughs> yeah. I think it was such a shocker. Like, it was just like, what is going on? Um, so that was definitely a highlight. I'll take that no, as well, yeah. yeah, no shade, Joel. Just I just thought it was it was a very maybe not a good moment for you, but it was it was a moment definitely. Yeah, well, that was the same oh, day of um, yeah, that was the same day as United <laughs> losing six one to Spurs, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't want to talk about that. So, <laughs> <thanks>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all here to wind Joel up. That's what the whole purpose exactly. of this podcast is, basically. So no problem with that at all. Um, well, that's it. That's it for the final Premier League podcast of the 2020-21 season. We're going to be taking a break from this particular podcast over the summer, but the women's football show will be continuing with you at the helm. Is that right, Angelina? Yes, it will. Yeah continuing on to the olympics and all that jazz it's going to be yes. great fun and of course we're also going to be podcasting throughout the euros this summer so stay tuned for that uh, thank you to everyone who listened this season and sent in questions it, it really means a lot and it's kept our spirits up during a year like no other and um, we'll be back to talk all things premier league again next season and we hope you will join us again then but until then we'll just say bye for now I just had a halloumi sandwich for lunch and it was really spicy and I can just like, I, I'm, I'm finding it difficult to talk a, a bit at the moment actually. So hopefully that will, uh, I, can, I can sort of run it off, you know.